0: love our little ones. Well, today's the, uh, the day, the third, so uh, we're just going to make a quick one in Proverbs chapter 3. Here it comes. Verses 27 and 28, I pick two. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow when you have it with you now. Great, great Proverbs. Today, um, I'll just tell you so that you can kind of turn to it. We won't get to the passage until a little bit later, but we're going to be in Joshua chapter 10, and that's the sixth book of the Bible if you're not too familiar with it. They're not alphabetical, sometimes hard to find them. Joshua chapter 10. Before we go there today, um, I was up late last night, later last night than I like to be on a Saturday night because I was with, you know, with my son Ben, and we were just chit chatting about gravity and planets and uh, black holes, and what would happen if you were in the very center of the earth, if you'd get squashed, or if you'd be weightless, and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. You guys do that on Saturday nights too, right? <laughs> yes. But I, 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 the reason we talked about that is because as I prepared for um, this um, this message today, I was thinking about a little bit of history, and a little bit of earth science, and a little bit of orbital mechanics. So... That's the class you came for today, right? Orbital mechanics. <laughs> I mean, not that I could teach anything about that, but I want to just, just kind of lay some groundwork because I want to talk in a few minutes about some, uh, a miracle, one of the miracles that's in the Old Testament. But I want to talk for a minute about some of the miracles that we read about in the Word and, and our reaction to them because there are some amazing things that the Scripture says happened. I mean, we all understand Christmas. Jesus was born of a virgin. That's a physical miracle can't happen without the uh, involvement of the Holy Spirit. It just, it just doesn't happen. And there are some other things that are described in the, in, in, in the Word of God, miracles. And you look at the Bible, and you read it, and people say to you, well, that's the Word of God, and it's true. And so if it says it, it's true. But I think many people still, not maybe not all, I don't know about you, but you look at some of those things, and you think, okay, is that literal? The minute you decide that, well, some things that the Bible describes in, in terms of the stories are just allegory or poetry as opposed to being literal, that's a that's a scary road to walk down when you start to make those assessments. My own viewpoint is I can I I, I believe that the, the word of God is literally true. So I'm encountering I encounter some miracles in there and I go, wow. Amazing. Love to see that. You know, I mean, kind of like curiosity and I'd like to see it. I mean, just because, I don't know, for entertainment value or for whatever reason I I would want. But I mean, some of the things that happened would be amazing, amazing, amazing. So anyway, so I'm gonna just take like a minute and um, just kind of set the stage for where we're gonna it. So I'm gonna talk about this amazing miracle. Um, If you go back into human history, and when, when, uh, maybe thousands of years ago, let's just say that that's ancient, thousands of years ago, virtually every culture who had a calendar had a 360 day calendar. You can go back and study. This is true about the Chaldeans, the Egyptians, the Hebrews, the, Ph- the Phoenicians, the Chinese, the Mayans, the Etruscans, the Teutons. I mean, they all had a 360 day calendar. And now these are cultures that are scattered around the world, and they're smart people. They figure out how, how long it takes to make a loop, right? They can tell this by the shadows and the height of the sun and they are smart people and that's their thing. Just like in our society, there are people whose thing is science and they want to figure stuff out. All of these different cultures figured out how long it took to make one lap around the sun and they all came up disparate, all separate cultures, they all came up with 360. Interesting fact. Somewhere around roughly the year 700 or 701, we can pin down pretty specifically when that happened, they all made changes. About that time, all of the calendars from all these different cultures changed to about 365 days. All at about the same time. Interesting, the, uh, the second king of Rome added five days per year. King Hezekiah added one month every six years to the Hebrew calendar. Every six, that's five, that's five, five days a year. Comes out the same, Right? <laughs> the uh, egyptians added 5 days a year the persians i mean they all added they all re devised re- re- their calendar to be about 365 days something happened don't know what it was interesting interesting thing if these guys were measuring the time it took the sun to get around and they were accurate or they were i mean all of these different cultures all did this measurement something happened and and the earth didn't just change itself the sun the relationship didn't just change itself something happened somewhere okay set that aside in the late 1960s early 70s there were three guys who um, scientists who kind of hooked up to each together uh, one guy's name was Donald Patton he was a geologist university of washington another guy's name was Ronald Hatch he was a programmer um, he worked on devi- developing the, the GPS system that we all enjoy now, and it helps us not—you know—helps us find Starbucks when we're in a <laughs> foreign city. And uh, he also worked on—he uh, worked for the Applied Physics Lab at uh, John Ho- Johns Hopkins. He ended up being the principal engineer and a senior uh, senior scientist at the Boeing Company in their space uh, division. And a third guy, Lawrence Steinhauer, who taught orbital mechanics at Harvard, MIT, and the University of Washington. Okay, so far. So these guys, they knew how to add and subtract. They they figured science out. Um, They noticed the same thing, that at one point all of these cultures had 360-day calendar years, and they all shift to 365, and so they started studying what could have happened and started building computer models. What could have been? Now, their work is controversial. It's not widely accepted in the science community. I'll just front that for you right now. There's a lot about science, a lot in the science community that, people don't agree on, but this is not widely accepted because their philosophies challenge the steady-state mo- uh, model of science that says billions and billions of years of creation since nothingness sprang into everythingness. Okay, so far? Right? I, I, I don't mean to be stepping on anybody's toes. I'm just telling you my viewpoint, and I'm reading this stuff, and Ben and I stay up late night, and we talk about this. Although this was... I, I want you to know, I didn't write the sermon last night. This has been available for, for a while. <laughs> so these guys who are very smart and understand orbital mechanics and computer programming and geology and all of that started working on uh, computer models. What, what could have happened that made these people change their calendars? And one of their computer models came up with a scenario where there was a gravitational interaction between the Earth and another nearby planet, Mars, And that that interaction so changed the Earth's um, relationship that there would have been one day, around 2,700 years ago, 3,000 years ago, around the year 700, there would have been one day that for some reason the day would have been lengthened by a minimum of four hours, but but who knows how much longer. The day would have been longer than it should have been. Daylight would have been longer than it should have been. But if that happened, there would have been some other side effects. There would have been meteor showers or bolide showers that would have been coming down in place of the earth. Uh, And and there would have been other things, crustal tides. I mean, I'm not going to go into all those things, but they came up with this intriguing computer model of a day that daylight would have stretched way beyond what it should have been for the day. I mean, right now, every day is getting like 30 seconds or a minute longer, right, as we get towards summer. But if it jumped to tomorrow and the day was like, Seven hours longer, you'd notice that, right? (laughs) So these guys came up with this interesting model of orbital mechanics. It's fascinating. It's hypothetical. It can't be proven, and it can't be unproven. It can't be disproven. There's no such word as unproven. (laughs) So it can't be done to either two of those things, um, I don't think. And um, so tuck that information aside. Done with the uh, science lesson for the day. Last week, I got a call... I'm going to tell you a couple of stories about... I, last week, I got a phone call from a, a woman I know, and she just wanted me to know um, that she was on the way to, uh, between doctor's appointments. She had, uh, with her mother, uh, gone into to a doctor for a hastily arranged appointment because the woman was having some pains, and they wanted to get it checked out. So they went to the doctor. The doctor did an, a, a breast exam, said, yeah, there's something there. And he said, we're going to do two things. I'm going to send you for some tests. And I want you to know, I know a really good surgeon. And we're going to deal with this. So it'll be okay. But we're going to have to get after this. Pretty certain. The phone call came to me between that appointment and the scans. They do, you know, ultrasounds and mammograms and that stuff, right? So I get this phone call. It's kind of a desperate situation, Um, concern. I don't know how to describe it, but something's going on. That takes place, and um, a, small, a very small number of people began to pray about this situation. I get a phone call several hours later. Tests have come back. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. That's one story. This is a week ago, a week ago. Here's another story maybe a week and a half ago. Well, it concluded, or, or it, it got, I'll, get, I'll get you up to about a week and a half ago. Here's another story uh, of somebody else that I know uh, a woman was with her family on Christmas Eve, this last Christmas Eve, and she began to have this pain that hadn't been there before in, throughout her body. Pretty severe. Couldn't Tried to take some pain meds, got some pain meds from a friend, no effect. Got to go in. Emergency room on Christmas Eve. What a blast, huh? Christmas Eve or emergency room. They get in there. There's something. They can't figure it out. They start doing scans, and they see a large, significant mass on her pancreas. That cannot be good. It's a 35-ish-year-old woman, mother of several little ones, and a believer, and it hurts. And they've said to her, they did a CT scan, they they said to her, this isn't good, we'll help you with your pain, but as soon as Christmas gets over and the offices open up, you need to go see an oncologist, don't delay this. They go in, the doctors do their exams, and the news is not good. Large mass attached to your pancreas, that's usually not, you know, if if this is cancer, that's not the one you want usually, um, and so they started talking about what they could do about this, and they they prescribed what's called a Whipple surgery. If you're not not familiar with a Whipple surgery, it's a very very invasive surgery where they take off uh, they take out the tumor, but but but, the, but at that point the tumor can involve not only the pancreas, but they may have to sometimes take out the spleen and a kidney and part of the stomach and part of the intestines, and um, it's it's The surgery's been around for a while, but until recently, the mortality for the surgery, for just doing the surgery, uh, the average mortality was in the 15 to 25%. Now, in the last few years, it's gotten better than that, and uh, some hospitals do really well. In fact, um, in Seattle, one of the best hospitals, I think, to do this, and they've, they've got a very good rate. Nevertheless, this is not very good news. Word goes out, a lot of people start praying. Now, the plan, the thinking is Whipple surgery, and if we do okay there, then we'll deal with radiation and chemotherapy, and it's not good. It's not looking good. She does the surgery. She does really well. This happened a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Many of you know about this because this was on our prayer chain. And they do the surgery. They take out the, the, the mass It goes well, it's a lengthy surgery, all that goes fine. But they don't know yet what the outcome is because they got to do the pathology on the tissue that was removed. And um, several days go by before the doctor finally comes in and says, no cancer. (laughs) Praise the Lord is right. Because this went from a very, very dire situation to the sun rose again. The sun rose again. Now, those are just two stories... I just picked out of my very recent inventory of stories that I hear and those are two people I knew and I praise the Lord to hear what kind of miracles are going on. And, you know, I probably have an advantage over you because people call and they want prayer or I'm on a prayer chain list and so I hear stuff and I just wanted you to know the kinds of things that are going on. People that I know and people that you know it's happening more than you realize. I just want to say that to you. Um, And Today, I want to talk about one of the greatest miracles that I think um, are in the Bible because it 's it's an obscure one you don 't hear people talking about it very much, and people don 't pay attention to it and and what i 'm going to say to you right now won 't make sense, but it 'll make sense in a few minutes because I want this church to be a sun stand still church, and I believe it can be I really believe it can be now. Lisa and I at home have a fireworks gap, okay? A fireworks gap. A fireworks gap is where one of us really loves fireworks and the other one could give a rip, okay? (laughs) Could just give a rip about fireworks. And um, it's not what you think. I mean, to get to this point, I'm at the place where I just don't give a rip about fireworks anymore. (laughs) I just don't care anymore. It's not that I think they're evil, I just don't have the kind of enthusiasm that I once had, which was an unhealthy level of enthusiasm. <laughs> um, in fact, there are people in this church who I, when I see them, I have jokes with them, let me see your hands, I wanna see if you still have 10 fingers, because they're, the, they're like, they're cut from the same cloth as me, and they shouldn't have their fingers anymore. Now, Lisa, on the other hand, she likes a good fireworks. She likes the sparks and the showers and the booms and all that. And I think, okay, yeah, I get that. Um, you know, have you ever gone to the fireworks stand and stood there and waited your turn and listened to all the other people going to the fireworks? You know, the, the people, every single one of them, every single one of them, the exact same question over and over again. Um, what does that one do? Well, it goes up with sparks and then goes boom. Um, what does that one do? Up uh, sparks. What, is that? what does that one do? What does that one do? Every person, over and over and over again, you know, they all blow up. <laughs> they all go up and make a noise. They all do the same thing. That's what they do. They're fireworks, dummy. That's what they do, okay? <laughs> so on July 4th, there's this tradition that our backyard turns into this explosive zone. You know, people can't turn on their radios because they might make something explode. There's crazy stuff going on. I don't know how that happened, but over time, we started having July 4th parties, and our neighbors the same. It's not us being the obnoxious neighbors. It's the obnoxious neighborhood, okay? (laughs) So we're all into it, and a lot of people would come into our backyard, and they'd they'd have hot dogs, and stuff would be blowing up, and nobody got really injured bad um, that I know of, um, and this thing grew over time, and then one year, Joseph, who I think at this point was in high school, he comes to us and says, hey, mom and dad, do you mind if I invite a few friends over? For July 4th. And we said, sure, yeah, invite your friends. That'll be fine. I mean, we figured, you know, what's, what's a handful more? I mean, we wouldn't notice a difference. We didn't realize that our precious son, Joseph, stood up in the youth group and said, anybody who wants to come over on July 4th, come on over. <laughs> so for, what us, for us, for what might have been a typically 25 or 30, people would typically come on, a, I mean, just whatever. That day in our in our relatively small backyard but safe for fireworks we had over 135 people showing up in our backyard now i swear there were people coming in you know two of them carrying an ice chest with their lawn chairs i mean there were people coming in and sitting down and spending the day there that i didn't have any idea who they were and everybody i know didn't know who they were <laughs> And this went off, we had fireworks going, it was a blast, all kinds of things going on. It went on nonstep, but, but that affected me. I mean, I got to the point where I just, just the fireworks, I just had it. I've, I've had my fill. I've had enough. I got to the place where I just don't care anymore. They're not evil. I just don't care. Over time, I got familiar with them. I got so familiar and relaxed about them, things that should have been extraordinary Things that should have been uncommon, things that should have been awe inspiring, became so commonplace to me that I started to just completely become indifferent to it anymore. And you know, that same thing can happen at Crossroads Church, it can. You, can have, you have this meaningful community of people who love God and are all trying to move closer to Him and be more like Him and who care about each other and all kinds. This is a fertile place for you to be and connect with the body of Christ. It's a place where you can come when you trust the worship. You know you'll know you hear some teaching out of the Word. It's a place where you can see lives get saved, where you can give, where you can make it. it, it it's, it's a place. But the same thing can happen at the church. And that same thing can happen to you. After a while, you can become so familiar with maybe the fireworks of Christian life that what used to make you ooh and ah can become so commonplace and then we can become too complacent as God moves among us. Now, I'm not correcting you or telling you. I'm just saying this can happen. I think it's a natural reaction over time to become desensitized to the things you see. And God moves among us and we rub shoulders with other people who love the Lord and... um, who are sitting in this room a lot of godly people and they're full of faith and they're full of character and they're prayer warriors here and servants and there are people who are godly generous and and and, and sometimes we just say to our, you know, we need to say to ourselves don't get too familiar with the fireworks let me say that again don't get too familiar with the fireworks would you say that with me don't get too familiar with the fireworks okay and I have a bit of pa- a passion um, in, for today's, uh, the passage we're going to read because I, you know not only is it the story of my life and the story, I believe, of this church, I believe it's intended by the Lord to be the story of every follower of Christ. And the kind of faith that I'm going to challenge you to pray with today over your family, over your career, over your health, over your ministry is not reserved for some sort of super- christian elitist a-list believer um, i believe every single follower of christ can experience the supernatural described in joshua chapter 10. every single follower can can experience that and so as i read this passage i'm gonna i'm just i'm just hoping that you will not only engage with your mind but engage with your heart and with your spirit about what the Lord might be saying to us. Because I, I I want you to get this need, this objective, and in, in this goal into your mind. Because I believe that God is calling you to reach for, to pray for, to believe in what seems to be impossible to you right now. I really believe God wants you to pray about what you think is impossible right now. And uh, for some of us, I think that's, that might concern a job or reconciliation in your family or... Um, a sense of purpose or maybe an emotional lift. Maybe you have been in a place of depression for two years and you just need a cloud lifted and you need spiritual help that the Holy Spirit needs to come in and provide and you need that supernaturally to enter your life today. I, mean, I pray that today is not just going to be another, you know, typical run-of-the-mill sermon in your mind somehow, but somehow there's something that catalyzes as the Holy Spirit. Because I don't believe that Jesus created you and me just to survive this world. I just don't believe that. I believe he made us to change it. And, um, and, and the risk is that I see way too many believers, way too many Christians, way too many followers of God that have been lulled into lowering their expectations. We've just been lulled there. We've seen stuff it hasn't been for us, or we've seen it somewhere else, and we just really lower our expectations about maybe what God will do. But the kind of faith that I'm going to challenge you with today, this sun stand still kind of faith, you know, the person that has that believes that the impossible is an ordinary way of living. So, okay, finally, after all that, we should open up the Word of God. Joshua chapter 10. And I believe that that ordinary life that spirit-led, faith-filled is is available to you. So Joshua chapter 10, starting in verse 17. So here's the deal. Joshua has led the the children of Israel into the promised land. They've had some battles, and Joshua has made some mistakes, and now they're about to uh, go to battle again, and here's the circumstances. So starting in verse 17. Joshua is the sixth book in the Old Testament. Verse 7. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal and with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Do you catch here that God is speaking in the past tense? He's already acting as if this victory has already been done. You serve a God who speaks about the battles you face today in the past tense. In the past tense. From his vantage point, they're already won. They've already been won by Jesus on the cross. So, it's past tense. Okay, so where we pick up, um, and after all night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. Verse 10. The Lord threw them into, into confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth-Horon and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth-Horon to, Et- I want to say Azekah, because that's a great place for ribs I used to go to. But I don't know how you pronounce it, but now I'm completely messed up. Sorry about that, rib. I really need to tell you about ribs. What a distraction, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, From Beth-Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones, some translations say huge stones, great stones, down on them from the sky. And more of them died from the hailstones than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. God can do more for you in one simple you know, moment of favor that you can do in a lifetime of trying to do things on your own. And then verse 12 we come to sums up the way I want to live my life and uh, the prayer I'm going to lead you to pray over the next couple of weeks and the kind of miracle God wants involved in the church and all of us to know firsthand. Verse 12, On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O son, Stand still over Gibeon, O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. Not a very long prayer, but watch the response of God here as, to, to the prayer of just one man named Joshua 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies as it is written in the book of Jashar. The sun stopped in the middle of the day and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day before it or like since, a day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Wow. You know, I I believe the same God who made the sun and the moon stand still for Joshua, the same God who raised Jesus from the grave, that same God longs to show himself to every man, woman, son, daughter who will call on his name and believe in him to do the impossible. I just believe that. And, And I believe it happens you know, all the time around us, you know, where a believer is bold enough to say, you know, God, I want to live my wa- life in such a way that that it leaves no doubt that you're fighting for me. I want God to do such enormous things in my life, in, 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 in my church, that when when somebody else looks at the situation, they 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 look at that and they go, here's how things should be going on, but here's how things are going on. There's no explanation for them except that some supernatural intervention by God has taken place in your life. I mean, I mean, the reason I'm so passionate about this topic is th- I believe I've seen the sun stand still. Not the physical phenomenon, that'd be pretty cool too. I haven't seen that phenomenon yet, but I have seen the sun stand still in my life. I mean, I've prayed some desperate prayers, particularly, you know, over my children in heartbreaking medical circumstances before. Now, next week I'm going to talk about, not those stories probably, but um, I'm going to talk about some things. I'll I'll come back to that in a minute. But I've seen the Lord move on behalf of my need. I've seen it happen. And listen, you're looking at a guy who's very ordinary. I just, you know, born in Spokane, raised by a, a, a school teacher and his wife, played Little League baseball, I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm just, you know, just, you know, like a lot of us, I'm, i got a weight problem. I got, you know, <laughs> sometimes I get more selfish than I'm supposed to be. I'm just an ordinary guy. Yet I've seen people healed from illnesses that can't be cured. I've seen the sun stand still. And if you've been in the church for any length of time, if you look around, you've seen it as well. If you love the Lord, you know. And okay, so the so scripture says, never a day like it before or since when the Lord listened to a man. And this was true at this point in time. I mean, there had never been a day like it before or since, but this was not the last time the sun stood still in Scripture. The Bible says that on the day that Jesus died, the sky grew black as he breathed his last breath. And on that, that moment of the cross, he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me, God? And in in those moments, the God of the universe stepped through space and time and made salvation possible for you and for me. And the sun stood still. An amazing thing. I want to make this, you know, maybe a little bit personal right now. I hope you make it a priority to be back again next week because I'm going to talk about some of the objections that might be st- stirring up in your soul right now about you know about your circumstances. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to talk about next week too much more than that. I mean, I think sometimes we think with God it's a lot easier for him to make the sun stand still for somebody like Joshua because, you know, he was Moses' protege and he was chosen to lead the nation of Israel and they walked around Jericho and the walls came down. So by that time, you know, he and God were so tight that if he said sun stand still, yeah, okay. I mean... I, I think it's easier for us to believe that God can make the sun stand still for Billy Graham. Mm-hmm. Or maybe somebody who's in full-time ministry, whatever that means. I mean, I mean, I think we think that way, we ought not to, than to believe that the God will make sun stand still for me because I'm trying to raise kids in middle school. Right? Believe me, if you're raising kids in middle school, you need the sun stand still sometimes. <laughs> you do. And... Some of you are in situations right now where you don't see how God could do it for you. But Ephesians 3.20 tells us that he can do immeasurably more than you could just ask or imagine. If the need you have in your life seems too big for you, that makes it just the right size for God. It does. It makes it just the right size. So if you're in a situation today and you say to yourself, the only way this can happen is if God does it, then you're right in the center of God's wheelhouse. You're right there in his, his uh, home run zone. So back to Joshua. Let me tell you a little bit about his context here because it relates to us some. Joshua um, got himself into this trouble. He shouldn't have even been fighting this battle to begin with. He, you can read earlier, but he, he didn't seek the counsel of God. He made an alliance with some people that he wasn't supposed to, and now he finds himself fighting them. So now he needs God's help to get him out of a situation that he dug himself into. He got himself there. Anybody ever here need God to get you out of a situation where you parked your own car? Okay. I mean, I mean, God, I racked up this debt, but I really want you to help me get my life in order because I really want to get in order so I can be more generous, so I can do things your way instead of mine. Or, God, I married him. Now, don't look at your mate in there because that'd be real embarrassing. You know? And now I need you to bless my marriage, and it's just not going so well. Or, God, I haven't been the parent that I really you know, needed to be and now my kids are far from you and I need you to bring them back. Or, God, I've pursued money for so long now and I realize money is not gonna provide meaning for me. So I need you to come into my life in a powerful and a meaningful way. Help me get my bearings again. And so if you've got yourself into a situation that you need to God to get you out of, you can probably relate to Joshua because God is able to turn a mistake right into a miracle. He can do that. He does it all the time. I'm just really grateful that we, we serve a God who was able to deliver Joshua out of this battle. And um, even though, you know, Joshua was in a circumstance he didn't have business being in in the first place, they wouldn't even be fighting this battle if they had done things originally the way God told them to. You know, you can read Joshua 9 and 10 later to get the story. But essentially, you know, here's the deal. He's prevailing in his battle, but the sun's starting to go down. It's going to get dark. Dark means dark. There's, they don't have you know, the lights to put up. They don't have infrared goggles. They don't have all that cool stuff, you know, useful tools. So the sun's going down. And what they needed to do was finish that battle in the daylight because they didn't want the enemy to go back, regroup, and have to bat, fight the battle again and again and again. And according to Scripture, peeking ahead here, Uh, More of them died from hailstones and all of that than than Joshua and his army killed. So they hadn't even done half the battle yet. So they're prevailing, but they're running out of daylight. And the strategic thinking of this general, of his army now, is thinking, I'm running out of daylight. I can't physically get this done. We need to finish. So here he's desperate, and he's, he's never prayed what he's gonna pray before. He's never seen anybody pray what he going to pray but he has no other choice what are the choices so out loud here's what he does in front of the entire nation out loud (laughs) if this would have been me i would have mumbled this prayer (laughs) just in case it didn't work out then it would have been between me and god but if it did work out then it'd be a testimony later right okay that's faithless he puts everything on the line If this doesn't work out, we wouldn't be reading the book of Joshua right now. We'd be reading the bush of Joshua's nephew because Joshua would be this crazy man drooling at the moon, barking at the sun, right? (laughs) In front of everybody, out loud, he prays, Sun, stand still! Moon, park yourself! Everybody hears the prayer. (laughs) Talk about selling out. I mean, he's burned his bridges. He's gonna, this is, God's either gonna come through or he's gonna be a laughingstock. Wow. Now, first off, I look at this and I chuckle because I know scientifically and you do as well. He didn't even pray the right prayer because the sun is already standing still. The earth does this, right? He doesn't know that, but he's not even praying the right prayer. That's for you, Ben. You feel better now? (laughs) And I think the, the truth is that that didn't matter. God loves this prayer. He's not insulted by our great big requests. I think sometimes God gets insulted by our little requests. I mean, it can be easy to pray dumb stuff. Anybody here ever? I mean, don't raise your hands. I mean, I, <laughs> I know God wants to hear our hearts and uh, I know he knows what we mean. But I know sometimes my prayers are actually, they have at times, and occasionally I follow this, they just become sterile. And I don't want to say that they were wrong, and maybe you don't ever pray, like, and you've never heard anybody pray like this, but you know, sometimes the sum total of a prayer could be, you know, God be with me today. I mean, it's good to pray. God knows you're seeking his blessings and all that, and it's, so it's really good. And, it, you know, but <laughs> I look at that and I think, okay, because I'm kind of sarcastic sometimes, and I'm thinking, okay, God's going, is that it? Is that all? I mean, first of all, I wasn't aware that we weren't going to be together all day today anyway, Terry. I mean, I'm the creator of the heavens and the earth. Everything is mine. I'm everywhere. You're my son. I promise to be with you all the time, never to leave you or depart you. I wasn't really aware. We weren't going to be... I wasn't going to be with you. So um, (laughs) that's what I'm thinking. Okay, um, okay. I probably never get to pray that sterile prayer again now because... (laughs) And I, th- I, think, I think truth be told. I don't mean to, to you know, be smacking that prayer down. And I think it's a fine starting place, but, but some of us, that's about as far as we ever get. You know, be with me today. And I, I think we pray you know, those prayers. I think our heart is good. And I think what we're trying to do sometimes is just be humble. Or, or here's something else we'll do. We'll pray and we'll say, God, I need you to heal me today. Do you see this? Do you feel this? God, or, God, I need you to provide. Look, I need you to provide. And then we'll, you know, especially being raised in the church, we'll end our prayer with this thing that <laughs> for some reason we say, if it's your will, God. We, we'll do that. I mean, it's as if we think we have to provide God with this cop out clause in case he decides not to do it. I mean, really, you know, <laughs> you know, God, you know, here's sarcasm. Again, God's saying, ooh. Thank you, Terry, for that cop-out clause because I wasn't planning to know what I was going to do. Thank you so much. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think that's really what happens in heaven. I, you know, And I think what we mean by that is, you know, not my will, but your will be done. Just, just like Jesus prayed. So I get that. I get that. And I think that's awesome. I think we should always pray in accordance with the Lord's will. But I think... Shouldn't we get to a point at some time in our walk as Christians where, we, where our walk is in step with God just like Joshua's walk was in step with God? I mean, God didn't make the sun stand still because Joshua asked, God be with me. God didn't make the sun stand still because Joshua said, if it's your will. Find it. Look it up. You're not gonna find it in there. You won't. You won't see it because it's not there. He didn't say those things. He got bold enough to say, I know your promises. You promised me that nobody is going to be allowed to stand against us. You promised me that we were to take this promised land and occupy it. And here's the deal the greatest humility humility that you can ever demonstrate is to put yourself in this position, paint yourself right into that corner, where if God doesn't come through, you're going to look stupid not trying to make you all look stupid, I'm just telling you that's the humblest place you can ever get is to say, you know what? God, only you can do it. Would you make the sun stand still? That's the humblest thing you can do. And I'm wondering, you know, uh, I'm hoping some of you will be motivated by the Spirit today to be bold enough to face whatever it is that you face, you know, in your body or your family or your finances and say, God, only you can do this. I'll follow your way. Come through for me. I'll follow what you're saying. I trust you. I mean, I know you've been around the block enough times. You know, you've done your New Year's resolutions and maybe you've grown numb to some of this sometimes. But if the size of of, of your vision for your own life isn't intimidating to you, if your vision for your own life isn't intimidating to you, there's a possibility that it's insulting to the Lord. That's strong words, you know. Here's why I say that. What you ask of God is a direct reflection of what you believe about his capacity, his character, and his nature. The things you ask of him, if they're trite or non existent, that's because you don't believe he's going to do something for you. You know? I wonder what is the sun stand still prayer that you need to pray about today? What is the impossible thing that you need God to do? Through your life, I wonder if you're going to be bold enough to pray it. Three words, and they affected the cosmos. Sun, stand still. Now, now we can't abuse this. You know, we can't just pick anything and start running around and saying, "Hey, move over there, moon." The word says that if we ask anything according to His will, then He hears us, and He answers. That's in First John five. So we can't just run you know wildly around commanding moons and stars and. Um, But I do believe that right here, right now, in this room, there are people engaging with this message. And the word of the Lord is coming to you. The Holy Spirit is moving upon you, stirring your hope to believe. Because at one time, at one time, you were going to do great things for him. At one time, you were going to be generous. At one time, you were going to raise your family so that they would make a difference in the world. But now you've settled into this survival mode The sun's going down, and the opportunities kind of seem like they're drifting away. And I'm here to tell you that our God is able to make the sun stand still today. I believe it. But notice now, before you get too ramped up on this, that um, even though God can bring this victory, Joshua still had to fight the battle. There's a practical side to this. It's not just God can break your addiction because some of you, you have an addiction. And, and note this. There's, not only did Joshua pray that the sun would stand still, but he was willing to march all night right. to fight this battle. If you're going to pray that the sun stands still, you've got to be ready to march all night. <laughs> you've got to be ready. Not so that you can earn God's love. You can't. Not so that you can merit his favor and grace. There's nothing you can do that will do that. Those are gifts. But God always involves your faith and your works before he supernaturally brings grace into your circumstances and your situation. It's just the way he's chosen to do it. And I just encourage you today to bring back that need in your life, that thing that you need him to do, which you believe is is his will, and only he can do it. Maybe it's someone in your life that that you want to see come into a saving relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's um, a very practical need that you have right now and there's a dollar amount attached to it. Or Now, I'm not telling you that pray the prayer, the check is in the mail. I'm not telling you to spin around five times and kiss a hanky and you'll get your wish. I'm not telling you that, right? But I am telling you that God specifically cares about the needs of his children. He sees your needs. He has numbered the hairs on the top of your head. He cares about you. He cares for you and he's with you. I've seen the sun stand still. I believe God's word promises it. I believe that whatever is in your life today, that you need, that God made this appointment with your spirit today to stir this up so that you could see the sun stand still. Let's pray. Would you please close your eyes?